Welcome to the Sermon of the Week. Before you begin listening, let me pray that you would encounter God right where you are. Father, I ask that your Spirit would be present wherever people are listening. May they be aware of your presence and receptive to the voice of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you listen to this week's message. Deserve praise. Worthy is your name. Worthy is your name, Jesus. You deserve praise. Worthy is your name. Worthy is your name, Jesus. You deserve Worthy is your name, worthy is your name, Jesus. You deserve praise, worthy is your name, worthy is your name, Jesus. You deserve praise, worthy is your name. Worthy is your name, Jesus. You deserve praise. Worthy is your name. Worthy is your name, Jesus. You deserve praise. Worthy.
I have a word the Lord put on my heart for you today. It's Pentecost Sunday. And we'll make some reference to Pentecost in a different way. But I want to uh, read a scripture from Acts chapter 2, verses 22 to 24, and then jumping to 33 to 37. I'm going to look at that and read it for you. Is it all right? It says, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him as you yourself is known. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. I cannot even understand that. Even if I try to understand those words, I cannot understand that God's deliberate plan before hand, is knowledge way ahead was the salvation of humanity for his son Jesus to go on the cross. Wow. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him on the cross. Wow. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death. Thank you, Jesus. Because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Aren't you happy about that? I'm happy about it. Death could not keep Jesus down. That's why we have life. Because death could not have victory over him. That means that we're going to have eternal life just because of that. Wow. Powerful. Next slide, please. Exalted at the right hand of God, he was received from the Father or he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this, that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. That's, that's how it's got to be, guys. He just can't be the Savior, and that's where it ends. He has to be Lord. Amen. Rule. Lord over our lives. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And said to Peter and the other disciples, Brothers, what shall we do? Holy Spirit, I ask you in this moment that you cut to our heart the truth of the importance of the work of the Holy Spirit in each and every one of us. I pray that you remove the scales, you remove the cowwebs 
you open up our heart and our minds to receive your word in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to imagine for a moment, you're driving down this road. It's dark. It's at night. There's no lights. Suddenly, you see a flashing light behind you. The police officer signals you to go to the side. You stop. He comes towards you. And you begin to question. You, just not, you, know, you start asking yourself, like, what have I done? I don't think I was going over the speed limit, was I? I maybe go through a stop sign. I didn't realize it. And so this sense of unease just begins, to, your stomach begins to churn. You know that there's like something wrong. You can't put your finger on it. You don't know what it is. You know you're not guilty of anything, but somehow you feel guilty. You see, conviction is a gift of God. It's God showing us not only the error of our ways and pointing us toward His Word and a life of righteousness and, and living for God, but conviction is an absolute essential when it comes to hearing and responding to the voice of God. Hearing and responding to the voice of God. Now, in the context of this passage that we have read, 120 believers solicited by Jesus who told them to go and wait for him in an upper room went into this room. Not a conference room, an upper room. Not with carpet, but probably wood, I would say. Not beautifully painted sheetrock with beautiful pictures and a nice conference table or posh chairs like you're sitting on. They went into this room and 120 of them crammed into this room waiting for God to show up. You know, in Acts 1 and 5, Jesus told them to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said he would come, but that was the Holy Spirit, and would baptize them with the Holy Spirit. And you know what? God honors faith. And he honored their faith. He honored their perseverance because they, they didn't just wait just a few days. They waited for a long time. And they were in this room probably every day waiting and praying because they knew that Jesus had told them, do this, stay here until you receive the Holy Spirit. Wow. Now, God honored them and he poured the Holy Spirit of them in power. The Bible says that a muddy rushing wind swept into that room. I want you to try to picture that if you can in your mind. A mighty rushing wind. Imagine if you're sitting here, you got long hair and your hair is like, what is going on? I'm just sitting in a closed building. What's happening? And then the Bible says that Cloven tongues as of fire rested upon them. Wow. I would say that that would be unusual, wouldn't you say? Now, cessationists say that, you know what cessationists are? Do you, everybody know that? Let me, let me just tell you in a nutshell who cessationists are. Cessationists basically say that any of the power manifestations of the Bible, the Holy Spirit, gifts, of the Holy Spirit speaking with other tongues, any, uh, uh, anything related to signs and wonders, those are all stopped. They ceased when the, the, the apostles died and passed away. That's it. That's the, that was the end of it. Now, they say that the baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking with other tongues, etc., etc., is done over with, right? But can you imagine for a moment... From the standpoint of the 120, because, you know, sometimes I think of that from my standpoint. I think, okay, well, I mean, people that are saying all of this stuff that the gifts are over, the manifestations are over, the Holy Spirit is no longer working. I'm looking at it from this point of view. I want you to think about it from the point of view, the vantage point of the 120 in that room. Jewish 
men and women, that had never heard about this Holy Spirit. They're just there. They're praying. They're being obedient. How about their point of view? I like to have Peter and some of the apostles here to come and tell me, did you see any of that in the Old Testament? Like, would you even think that that was possible? That must have been so uncomfortable for them. It, it's absolutely the truth. Because they're flesh and blood, like all of us. Like, we feel uncomfortable sometimes, right? We feel uncomfortable when God moves in, when the Holy Spirit starts doing things that we're not really certain of because it's unusual. Jesus came to bring the kingdom on earth. Do you guys understand? Like, I want you to get into this mindset that Jesus came, yes, to fulfill the law, but he brought a whole new way. He brought this these kingdom principles, they were so unusual. Nobody had ever spit on the ground, made mud out of it, and stuck it on somebody's head and, and basically said, go and wash yourself at the pool of uh, Bethesda and just, or a pool of Bethsaida, or one of those pools. Salom. The pool of Salom. And you're going to see. Nobody had ever... You know, people were waiting there for miracles to happen at the pool of Bethesda. Uh, there's a pool of Bethesda. And, and Jesus just showed up and said, I'm not going to throw you in the water. Here, be healed. Get up. Let's go. A complete different mindset. Completely different. The kingdom of God is different. Now, we have become so sophisticated in our approach that we somewhat become selective. We select what we want. We think of, okay, well, this I can choose and that I can reject. But you know what? This book is the whole truth of God, all of it. And we cannot pick and choose. So that day, when they waited in that upper room and they got filled with the Holy Spirit, they got something that they were not anticipating. And Peter got up. Peter began to preach like he had never preached before, like he had never talked before. All of a sudden, there was something inside of him that was unusual. And so the words that Peter spoke by the power of, by the way, the Holy Spirit is a third person of the Trinity, equal God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Come on. He is God. He's not some force. He's not some manifestation. He is God. And so Peter spoke, and his words were laser sharp and focused into the hearts of men and women who were listening to him on that day. And 3,000 people responded because that verse said that they were cut to the heart. Now, before we continue analyzing this text, uh, allow me to share just a couple, make a couple of premises about God speaking. And I want to talk to you today about the response of a convicted heart. Now, the Bible says that faith comes from hearing the word of God. Do we all agree with that? I think that we all think that that only refers to reading this book, right? Oh, well, I read the book, and that's how I get my faith. But, you know, in the Bible, the word for word, has, there's two versions of it. One is the logos. The logos is the written word. It's when we read the Bible as we did, looking at the screens or looking at your Bible or looking at your phone, you're reading the scriptures, that is the Logos. It means that we're reading the Bible. But there's another word for word, and it's the word Rema. How many times can I say word and get away with it? The word Rema. The word Rema is a little interesting. The word Rema comes to us through, one, as we read the book, and by the Holy Spirit, he begins to speak to us about what we're reading. Are you with me? 
All of a sudden, we're reading something that just like cuts through the clutter. It cuts through the knees. It cuts through the, the circumstances that we're going through and begins to just like, like a laser right where it needs to go. That's Rema. But there's also another way that Rema comes to us. It comes to us through individuals speaking a prophetic message, a prophetic word, both to us individually, but also to all of us as a local expression of the body of Christ and a congregation collectively. The second premise I want to make is that hearing God and hearing His voice is not just something that is given to the preachers, to the pastors, to the prophets, right? It's something that God wants to do in all of us. Now, in the American church, we have developed this idea that God only speaks to an elite group of people called the professional ministers. And that could not be further from the truth. You say, well, where is your justification for this, David? John 15, 15. Listen to what it says. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know what is master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Look at the person next to you and tell them, Jesus calls you his friend. This is a powerful truth. Because you see, Jesus delights with us as friends. But that only comes truly when we develop intimacy with our friend. Intimacy that allows us to recognize his voice. Intimacy that allows us to trust his voice. That we know that he is speaking. Intimacy with Jesus you know, in James chapter 2 and verse 1, there's a very interesting verse. And it's a very short verse. And it says that we should not show favoritism. Right? We're encouraged to not be, to show favoritism to others. Now, do you know why that is the case? It's a very simple question. Do you know why Jesus does not want us to show favoritism to others? Because God doesn't. That's that simple. Not a truth that it's earth-shattering, a revelation that you're going to go home and say, oh, wow, you know, let me tweet this. The pastor said that God does not show favoritism because God does not show favoritism. That's deep. There you go. Thank you, Hunter. At least somebody is enjoying that one. We got this idea ingrained in us that God only speaks to certain people, to the professionals or the ones that are well-spoken. But that's a lie. And I want you to know that if we believe that lie, we will be dwarfing our ability to grow as believers. We will put a, a ceiling to our level of growth as believers because it, we think that it just stops there. But that's not true. Hearing God is not just for preachers or the professionals. The third promise I want to make, I want to talk a little bit about the prophetic. Now, let me just say this, that I fully, 100% embrace the prophetic gifts and prophetic utterances in the body of Christ. It is one of the gifts that I appreciate, that I exercise as God gives me the opportunity. And the Bible is clear in Ephesians 4 and other scriptures that God gave to the church prophets and God gave to the church the ability to prophesy for the common good. So we know and understand that that is a reality. However, I am 100% averse to the laziness of believers who would rather run to someone with a gift than getting what they need from God and His Word by spending time with Him. It's gotten really quiet here. 
We have got to be aware, friends. And we need to fight this spiritual kind of spiritual laziness that gets over us. Going to men instead of going to God. You know what I call this? I call it the charismatic confessional booth. It's the charismatic confessional booth. Well, let me go get my word. Who's got a word for me? I got to get my word from God. You know how you can get your word from God? When you spend time with God. Because he calls you his friend. And he wants to talk to you. He wants to talk to me. Now, if we are his friends, that it means that God doesn't keep anything a secret from us. You know, I love this, this verse in Genesis 18 and verse 17. The angel of the Lord is speaking to Abraham. And he's talking to him about this impending destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, it, I'm going to destroy it. And listen to what the angel of the Lord says to Abraham. Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Whoa, 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 whoa. Time out. Wait a minute. Abraham, flesh and blood, man, human. Who's speaking to Abraham? The angel of the Lord. In the Old Testament, that angel of the Lord is Jehovah, man himself. So God is telling this man, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Because God is not keeping secrets from us. He wants to reveal his plan. He wants to talk to us. He wants to minister to us. It all, friends, comes down to intimacy with God. Abraham was intimate with God. He was called a friend of God. Wow. Are you surprised that he's called a friend of God when God wants to talk to him? Absolutely not. And so I pray that God uses these examples for our good. And I pray that God would use all of us to speak and encourage one another. But don't ever make that your, um, uh, your excuse for not ever going to God. Because God wants us to go to Him. Friends, the topic of hearing God's voice is so extensive. I mean, I'm probably not going to do it full justice today because it's just a few minutes. But there are so many opinions about the topic of hearing God's voice. And some of them, quite frankly and honestly, are way out there. They are. But you know what? I want to assert this today for all of us to hear clearly, that regardless of your persuasion and my own persuasion, God still speaks today. His voice is loud and clear, and it's up to you and it's up to me to pay attention to what he is saying, but not only hear what he's saying, we have to respond to his voice. So allow me to share a couple of things that I see in our text. And I want to read Acts 2 and verse 37 one more time, just so that we uh, remember these words, because this will be the focus of, of, of the text. And when all the people heard this, what Peter's message was, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter, and the other apostles, apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Now, God used Peter's words to convict the people. And so the first thing here that I see is that the people listened to the message. They listened to the message. Now, in Hebrew chapter 3 and verse 15, it says this, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Do not become hard. If you hear his voice, don't get, don't become difficult. Don't harden your heart. Now, here's what this verse is telling me. It's telling me, if you read it together, today, if you hear his voice, if you hear his voice, that doesn't mean that God is not speaking. In fact, it means the opposite. It confirms that God speaks. The problem is, us. If we hear 
his voice. So God still speaks. But then the Holy Spirit responds. That's what I see here. That the Holy Spirit responds to hearts that are sensitive, interested, and attentive to what he has to say. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. He responds when we are open, when our hearts are soft, when, when our ears are attentive, when we're interested in what he has to say, when we're interested and sensitive in spending time with him. Friends, when your heart is convicted, you become convinced. When your heart has been cut by the words, by the message, you become convinced convinced there's nobody that will ever come to you and say well why are you believing that stuff you shouldn't believe that stuff uh-huh when your heart is convicted there's no one that will persuade you any different why because you choose at that moment to believe what you are hearing friends a convicted heart is the answer to hearing the voice of God. A divided heart instead can obstruct both the hearing and the responding to the voice of God, which is why we have got to keep our hearts free from any other competitor, anyone else that seeks to, to grab divine attention from your heart away from God. I said divine attention. You say, why are you talking about divine attention? Yeah, because you know what? There are things that want to become idle in our lives. They want to be God. Divine attention. And so when we give to those things, those things that we follow, that we listen to, become idols in our lives. They become a God in us. This is one way that we can develop sensitivity to the Spirit's voice if we remove all other voices out of the way and we listen to God's voice for us. But the second thing I see in this text is that not only did the people listen to the message, but they responded to the message because the text says that Peter's words pierced their hearts. They pierced their hearts. Now, in the original language, this is a, it was an incredible discovery for me because you know what? Sometimes you think pierced their hearts, they were convicted. They, you know, they, they, they felt like, wow, you know what? I need to listen to this. I need to do something about what, what Peter is talking about here. I mean, this truth, I, need, I respond to the truth, right? We all do respond to the truth. But listen to what it means in the original it means that they were shaken to the point that their minds were in pain. Now, that's a little bit of a deeper sense of conviction. That's a conviction that grabs your heart and your mind and does not let go until you respond. That is why they responded. Because those words, in the power of the Holy Spirit, like a laser beam pierced right through the clutter, pierced right through the religion, pierced right through everything else that was going on and got right to the heart. They were pierced to the heart. They were deeply convicted. Now, heartfelt conviction will lead us to respond, but not just respond. It will lead us also to change. But for that to happen, friends, God has to have priority in our lives. And our hearts have to be soft. Our ears have to be open. And we have got to respond when God speaks. There's a very clear correlation between obedience and responding to God's voice. And that only becomes a reality when we learn to obey what, to what we listen, to what we are hearing from God. Now, how does God speak to us? I think I, I mentioned that before. There are probably three main ways that God speaks to us. And I'm, I'm just going to keep it, again, generic. right? God speaks to us through His Word. 
This book is the ultimate authority in God's communication strategy to each and every one of us. But God also speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. When we receive the Word of God and all of a sudden something happens, the Holy Spirit takes those truths and, and just sinks them deep into our hearts and the Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts that in a small voice that we hear, that's another way that God speaks to us when we make room to hear that voice. But also God speaks to us through godly people who listen to him. Now, let me explain this for a moment, right? Because you might say, well, wait a minute. You told us that we need to go to God and not to godly people. So let me explain what I mean. You see, people that know his voice will not ever speak, thus saith the Lord. What I'm just saying to you right now, be careful of. You know, people have come to me in the past and have said, you know, I've spoken certain words and said, you know, the Lord told me to tell you. Great. And what would you want from me? Want me to tell you, no, the Lord didn't tell you? If you ever come to me and say, the Lord told me that you should do this, I'm going to analyze it through the scriptures. I'm going to make sure that what you're saying, but you know, the premise itself is wrong because... Who could ever say no to anything that God said? You'd be crazy. Are you with me? So we need to learn to, you know, this is a little bit of an educational message too, right? When God uses you to speak a prophetic word and you say, thus saith the Lord, as in the King James Version, or in other words, you say, the Lord told me to tell you, it's very hard for anybody to ever, I mean, that's got to be a sure thing, Right? The truth of the matter is that we need to learn to speak and say, the Holy Spirit showed me something. I feel compelled by God to share something with you that I feel the Holy Spirit wants to communicate to you. Don't put yourself at the same level of God. Are you with me? Because every time you say, the Lord told me to tell you, you are putting yourself at the same level with God. And that's dangerous. I'm just saying. Now, these individuals that we're advocating that can impart wisdom, they are prayer warriors. They are Bible lovers. They're hearts of worship. They're not just regular people that have gray hair and and, and so I'm just going to go talk to anybody that's got gray hair, they're old, and they got wisdom, and it doesn't work that way. We cannot ever replace intimacy with God, friends. Yes, go to people that have wisdom, that will impart wisdom to you, but don't ever use it as an excuse to replace intimacy with God. God will use people to confirm sometimes what you've heard yourself. God will use people to even correct sometimes some erroneous belief that you might have. And those people are precious. I have people like that in my life. I, I, people that I want to go to and say, hey, what do you think about this? Am I off on this? I feel like the Lord has been showing me this. What do you think? Can you pray into this with me? Those are very important people for us to have. All right? So the people heard the message. The people responded to the message. The people asked one question. They said, what shall we do? What should we do, friends, to develop hearing the voice of God? I could say a lot here. Certainly, we can learn from mentors, we can go to conferences, we can read books about it, but there's essentially two things that I want to mention to you. And it's interesting, again, like it all it seems to happen to me all the time. Uh, we go into prayer, and today, uh, Pastor Sam talked about stillness and, and hearing his voice and just quieting ourselves. Well, you know, that's the number one reason how we can learn to hear from God is to make time for God to sit at his feet and learn to listen 
And we absolutely have a hard time with that. Because we live in a world of clutter. Let's, let's be honest. We own more than we need or sometimes even want. Every place that we go to is overpopulated. There are voices everywhere. I mean, internet, social media, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so we're oversaturated with information and voices. But Psalm 46 and verse 10 says, to be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. It all starts with being still. Which... We don't like to do that very much. You know, in John chapter 5, Jesus went to details in explaining to the people, hey, you know what? You may not even understand who I am or what I'm doing, but I, I never do anything unless I hear from the Father first. Jesus did not do anything unless he heard from the Father. And that should be our own way and our mode of operation. We stop and we wait to hear the voice of God. And when he speaks, we move. Jesus, the Bible, multiple times in the New Testament, in the, in the Gospels, it tells us that he would get up and go off to the mountains to pray. Why? What was he doing there? He was waiting to hear a word from the Father. We have got to do the same thing. But also, there's another way that I believe that we can hear God's voices. As we are waiting and being still with him, we need to tune our ears to the frequency of heaven. Did you know that heaven has a frequency? It does. And in order to hear that voice, we need to be sensitive to a unique sound. When we pray, when we worship, when we take time to be still, we develop a sensitivity to that frequency. Every time we come together and we worship, we're developing a sensitivity to that frequency. You might be sitting there wondering, I don't feel anything when I'm worshiping. I don't know what, what's going on most of the times. I'm just looking around and I see these crazy people lifting their hands and some people like, you know, getting on their knees before God. Can I just tell you this? Out of love and respect for you. If you are not able to capture the moments when God is moving in our midst, it means that you need to go into your closet, into your prayer room, into your home, shut the door, learn to put on some music. You know, the band, I mean, it's wonderful to have them on Sunday. But you know what? It's very, very simple. It's called... Spotify. It's free. There's every song, every worship song, every instrumental, everything. If you don't know what to play, I suggest you speak to Pastor Sam because he's got like 575,000 playlists. And they're all excellent. We need to learn to get back into our rooms. And spend time with God. Spend time with Jesus. Because his love for us is so passionate about you and me. But sometimes we don't exchange the same passion. We're passionate about the things that we love, aren't we? I mean, if you paid $150 to go watch a game of any sport that you really love and appreciate, you are not going to be quiet and gentle when your team scores or at the end of the game if your team wins. On top of that, you're going to spend enormous amounts of money on drinks and food and all kinds of other stuff. And so you'll get out of there probably having spent twice the, the, the amount of your tickets and plus more. And what have you got? You've gotten some excitement, some joy. I love sports. I'm wearing my favorite sports team shirt today. Representing. But you know, 
if your passion and my passions are limited to the things that we love, but not bringing them into the presence of God, what is that saying about your passion and my passions? Let's be honest. Maybe we need to rekindle our passion for Jesus. In 1 Kings 19, God spoke to Elijah. And the Bible says that God was not in the powerful wind. <clears throat> and God was not in the earthquake. And God was not in the fire experience. God was in that still small voice. That's the frequency from heaven. Can I tell you, friends, God's simplicity sometimes can be astonishing, but it is oftentimes what we need. Let me conclude with this. David Platt, in his book Radical, which I absolutely love that book, in the chapter entitled Beginning at the End of Ourselves and the Importance of Relying on God's Power, he says these words, and I want to quote them to you. This is where I am most convinced as a pastor, and I wholeheartedly feel the same way, that I am part of a system that has created a whole host of means and methods, plans and strategies for doing church that require little, if any, power from God. That's sad. I am frightened by the reality that the church I lead, can carry on, can carry on most of our activities, never realizing that the Holy Spirit of God is virtually absent from any of the things that we do, absent from the picture. Cynicism, sarcasm, unbelief, and the like will block the voice of God and we'll block out the Holy Spirit from speaking to us. When we think that we've seen it all, heard it all, we know it all, we've been in church all our lives, come on. We don't need any more church. We don't need any more of this God stuff. We know how to do it. We know how to get it done. We know it all. We act like we no longer really need God. And that is a dangerous territory to find ourselves in. You know, we do things, we stick a verse on it, we call it God, and we think that God is in it. But as we were praying today, as somebody, I think David, you said it, and Sam said it too, that we don't want to have a service with God in it. We want to have God and then do the service. He has got to be the starting point and the finishing point. He's got to be all. We do our things. We stick a verse on it. And we say, well, look at that. It's powerful. God was in this, right? Conversely, when he speaks and we don't obey his voice, our hearts can become hardened and stagnant. We go through the motions. But really, in reality, we know it's not real. It's not real. There's something missing. One is being self-dependent. The other one is being careless for our spiritual reality. My prayer today is that we will develop a conviction and increase sensitivity to the Spirit of God on this Pentecost Sunday that we would honor the Pentecostal experience, the Holy Spirit being poured out so that the voice of God can be clear and loud and distinct in our hearts. I don't know where you're at in your life. But I know that God wants to learn to speak to you. And we need to learn to listen to his voice. Would you bow your heads for a moment?
Holy Spirit, speak right now. Speak right now. Make your voice loud and clear in our spirits. If you struggled in your life, <clears throat> you have a hard time even spending time with Jesus in intimacy. I want to pray for you today that God will give you a new experience, allow you your heart to learn to be sensitive to his voice. Guys, I am convinced that when God communicates into our hearts and we learn to hear his voice, there are so many things that you may be praying for, that you've been waiting for, <clears throat> you have not received an answer for, that God will answer. I believe it. And it's not that God doesn't want to answer, it's that we're not hearing what he wants to say. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. If you live in the Charlotte area, we encourage you to worship with us on Sundays at 10 a.m. We encourage you also to give to this ministry so we can continue spreading the gospel to our city and throughout the world. You can go to our website at missioncommunity.cc, click on the Give button, and the rest is simple. Have a great rest of your week. God bless.